Okay, our second teaching will be on uh, building my life on the Bible. So we're talking about how we build our life on God's Word. So um, as we get started here, uh, this is not on your notes, but just by introduction. Uh, since the Second Vatican Council and the Catholic Church, uh, we have kind of like the church has gotten back to the scriptures. Um, Pope Benedict XVI said that if the Catholic people can get back to re- uh, reflecting and praying the scriptures, he said, uh, then we would have a new springtime in the church. So uh, that saw how essential the scriptures were in his thinking for renewal amongst the Catholic people. Um, the Bible has a lot to say about the scriptures, but so does the Catholic Church has a lot to say about the scriptures, actually. Um, from the Catechism of the Church, it says that God feeds us from two tables, the table of his word and the table of the Eucharist. Um, and so, and they, of course it says that we, sh- we need to feed on both tables. Uh, and they said that uh, in the Catechism, the Church is clear in stating that the, the scriptures are a fountain of wisdom that reveal to us Jesus Christ. So, the purpose of the scriptures is to bring us into a relationship with Christ, um, to, to draw us into communion, to friendship with him. The uh, De Averbum, which was a document in the Second Vatican Council called The Word of God, talked about uh, the role of the scriptures in the Catholic life. And so what the Catholic Church did to get that point across is that it took the Mass, which is the heart of the Catholic faith in many ways, and began to put more scriptures in the Mass. So now, for example, as a Catholic, if you come to Sunday Mass every single Sunday, you can hear the Bible, almost probably like 95% of the Bible, in three years. So, And if you were to come to daily Mass, in two years you could cover the whole Bible. So, uh, so the attempt at the Second Vatican Council is to put more scripture into the life of the Christian, the Catholic. And... Of course, the idea wasn't that we just get more download of Bible information. The idea was that we would become more familiar with God's plan and purposes of salvation through the scriptures. So, for example, now at Mass, which is um, over like the last 50 years, we have three readings on Sunday Masses. We usually have an Old Testament reading, uh, usually a New Testament from usually Paul's epistles, usually, and then also the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Um, so... Uh, so the, the church has kind of like said, you know, Cal- the Bible is really important. We're going to put it right back at the heart of the Mass and make it full Scripture. Now, what you may not realize is that a lot of our prayers that we use at Mass, uh, the priest prays, for example, uh, the opening prayer, the prayer over the gifts before, uh, before the consecration, and also the closing prayer, are all come out of Scripture. They're all rooted in Scripture. Um, it's an interesting study that if you were to take time, you could actually go find the scripture passages those prayers are based on. You know, so uh, just shows. So this, the Catholic Church, in its worship, has said that we need to be praying the scriptures as well as hearing the scriptures. So our prayers are based upon the scriptures too. So you might say the Catholic Mass is like uh, just a rough estimate, maybe like ninety to ninety-five percent biblically. Based, meaning that's either actual quotations from Scripture, the actual Scripture passages themselves, or prayers based upon Scripture. Even our Eucharistic prayers, the prayers that the priest prays as we work towards the consecration of the bread and wine to the body and blood of Christ, all flow out of Scripture as well. So uh, the Catholic Church, you might say, is a Bible-believing, Bible-based church. You know, um, so to this talk here is how we build our life on the Bible. So let's take a look at it. 
Um, and uh, our main passage uh, will be from James uh, chapter 1, verses 19 through 25, which we'll cover. But before we get to that, uh, Jesus tells a story that we'll look at the very end of our teaching this morning. And that is, he says, he was talking about the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, look, he says, there were two people. One that built their, their house, their life, on sand. And another built their house on rock, he said. And the person who built their house on sand, when the storms came... He says that that's, that house collapsed. But the person that built their house on rock, he said, when the storms came, it buffered the house, but the house remained standing. So he said this, that it's important to build our, our life on his word, which is the house built on rock. That's how serious God's word is to us as, as Catholics, as Christians, that we build our life on God's word. It is like rock, solid rock for us when the storms of life come. Okay, so let's take a look here. Um, number one, uh, how do I build my life on the Bible? First is, I receive it with my ears. I receive it with my ears. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Our ears, now obviously our physical ears, but we're talking about the ears of our heart, you know, uh, we hear God's word. For example, at Mass on Sundays, we hear God's word. Or if we were to privately read Scripture out loud to ourselves, we're hearing God's word. But the Scripture in faith comes by hearing the message. Hearing here is an openness to receive, an eagerness to receive. One of the things we'll find out about the Scriptures um, in terms of this particular teaching, we want to look at attitudes by which we approach the Bible. How we approach the scriptures will determine what we get from it. Um, how, if we come with a sense of expectancy the Lord's going to speak to us, then chances are we're going to hear what he has to say to us through the scriptures. If we, in our personal prayer time, approach the scriptures with an eagerness and a desire to hear from him, we most likely will hear from him. But if it's treated very casually, mundane, like, okay, this is just like another piece of literature, then we probably won't receive a whole lot from it. The attitude that we approach the scriptures with will, be, will determine what we receive from the scripture. So the first thing is faith comes by hearing the message, to hear with an openness, with a receptivity, an eagerness to receive. And then James chapter 1, let's take a look at that, says, why don't we read this together, because we all have the same scripture here. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become anger. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Okay, so this is, James says here, first of all, everyone should be quick to listen. He's talking here about the attitudes by which we approach the scripture. So first of all, for good reception, I need to be, and the first is, I need to be quiet. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. Quietness is more than just simply, you know, getting into a room and there's no noise around. It means things like this, shutting off our cell phones, putting them off to the side, put them in, put them in, your, put them in some drawer or some other room so they don't disturb you, you know. Uh, it also means something like this. It means to uh, take time to dial down on the inside. Maybe we're coming from a hectic day or something. So quietness means to kind of dial down and 
put our focus and attention on God's word. So be quick to listen and slow to speak. Second thing in James is is, uh, slow to speak and slow to become angry. So the word I want to put in here is calm. Slow to become angry, so it's calm. What we're talking about here is, um, you know, when we're angry, we're not able to listen. So sometimes we come into our prayer time, we're kind of a lot of stuff going on inside of us. We have frustrations, we have, you know, we have uh, things in our mind that make us kind of angry, you know, you might say. There are things inside of us that we just need to put aside. So this is approaching God's word, recognizing that there are certain things going on inside of me right now that's making me perhaps angry or frustrated. I want to turn them over to the Lord and place them in his hands. It's like, Lord, you know, here they are. I'm dealing with them. They're getting in the way between me and your word right now, so I'm going to put them in your hands. And I trust that as I put them in your hands, you'll find a way to resolve that for me. So creating a calm spirit when we approach God's word. The third is, is repentance. Notice what James says here. Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Repentance means working towards a pure heart. Now, in the Greek, the word for moral filth is the word in the Greek for earwax. Okay? Earwax. Okay? This is gross part of the teaching here. <laughs> so, but, so but it actually is, you know how earwax can clog up our ability to hear and it has to be cleaned out? Well, that's exactly what moral filth is. There are things that we're holding on to. It could be things like bitterness, resentments. It could be, uh, you know, things that we're, um, have opened our heart and mind to, maybe what we watched or listened to. And so when we confess something before the Lord, it's like taking out the garbage. Okay, so we just we want to take out the garbage. So, so James is saying is that we approach God's word. There may be things that are clogging our ability to hear earwax. We have to remove it. So we have to take out the garbage. We have to clean out the ears so we can hear God speak to us. So approaching God's word, recognizing that I need to repent, basically. And lastly, James says, accept the word planted in your heart. So the the word we fill in here is uh, humility. Now, that word, that phrase, I should say, from James, accept the word, is the word for humility in the Greek is actually related to hospitality. It's, it's reference to welcoming a stranger. I'm wide open with an attitude of acceptance to that person. So it has a sense of goodness or a sense of receptivity. So, um, so when I approach God's word then, do I approach it with the idea I want to welcome what God is saying to me, even if it means I have to change and here's the point I want to stress real clearly. It's approaching God's word with the recognition that, that if it points to some areas of my life I need to change, I'm willing to do that. I'm, in fact, I want to do that because God's word has authority over my life. So, so in other words, I'll get from God's word um, some really precious gems and for my life if I approach it with a hospitable attitude, which means an open attitude, a willingness to change, a willingness to be changed, a willingness to say, Lord, if you speak to me through your word and it conflicts with what I feel or what I'm, how I'm acting, then I'll change. Okay. Now, one of the reasons why we sometimes don't get from much from God's word is because we don't have this attitude of willingness to change 
before I approach God's word. It's kind of like a, a farmer, a gardener, who plants seeds on different kinds of soil. And one kind of soil, like the tomato plants grow wonderfully, but another part of the garden, the tomato plants didn't grow that well because the soil may not have been fertilized enough. So it's the same thing with approaching God's word. If I come at it with an attitude of, of willingness to be changed, then I will change most likely. I'll receive from God's word what he wants to bring to me. Okay, so number two, so the first one is I receive God's word with my ears. The second, number two, is I receive God's word with my eyes. James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25 says this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. The man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Okay, so let's take a look at this. Uh, So with my eyes. James here talks about approaching God's word and it says, look at the verse, that says, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law. He's talking about a mirror. You know, when we look into a mirror, we usually look into a mirror and we evaluate ourselves, right? Is my hair in place? My, are my clothes in place? So in other words, I usually look in the mirror because I want to do some evaluation of what I look like. Well, that's what James is talking about here. When I go approach God's word, I want God's word to evaluate me. Evaluate me with my attitudes, my behavior, how I see him, and so on. So the word for looks intently into the perfect law means reviews. I'm doing a review of myself when I look into God's word. Notice what uh, James says, though, that the fruit of that review is it gives me freedom. And it says here, and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it. So in other words, James is saying here that uh, as I look into God's word, I want God's word to evaluate where I am in terms of my attitudes, behavior, and how I see him. And he says here, if I do that consistently, I will be blessed. He will be blessed in what he does. So one of the ways that we do this practically speaking, is get a Bible reading plan. We have to have a consistency of reading the Bible in our life. Now, one of the ways we can do that as Catholics is by following the daily liturgical readings of the church. That's one way. It's a simple way. It's laid out for us. Um, you could even take the Sunday readings and just carry them, you know, read them over throughout the course of a week. Or, of course, the church gives us every day a fresh new set of scriptures to read every single day. Other people just take a particular book of the Bible, like maybe the Gospel of Mark, and just read that through a little bit each day. That's fine, too. Um, Other people will read a little bit of the Old Testament, like they'll start with Genesis 1, and they'll each day, and they'll read a little bit from the New Testament, like maybe from the Gospel of Matthew, and they kind of work on both ends. Here's the point. We We need a daily Bible reading plan to be able to have God's word evaluate my heart attitudes, my behavior each day. So some kind of plan which I will be reading the Bible on a consistent daily basis. 
Now, look at what uh, James says here. Looks intently. It's different from a glance. Okay, so, you know, you can walk by a mirror, you can glance, or you can walk by a mirror and stay in front of the mirror and evaluate yourself more carefully. There's a big difference between a glance and a standing before the mirror. So, a lot of times when we approach God's Word, a little glance here or there probably won't help us a whole lot. We need to have a Bible reading plan that we can spend time with God's Word each day, looking into the mirror of God's Word. He reflects back what's in our heart. So, that's an important um, tool, I think, in growing spiritually and growing in maturity as a Christian. Okay, so I receive God's Word with my ears. I receive God's word with my eyes. And the third is I receive God's word by researching the word with my hands and my mouth. I research the word with my hands and my mouth. Now, here we're talking about Bible study. Okay. Now, when we hear that word, we think of uh, long studies or, you know, kind of thing. I'm not really talking about the length of a study. The idea of a study is you write down what you learn, and then you talk about it with somebody. So I write down what I learn, and I talk about it. The difference between study and meditation of God's Word is in meditation, I'm just reading God's Word. I'm, I'm reflecting on it, but in study, I'm actually writing down what I learn, and then I want to share it with somebody. Why is writing down important? When we write something down, we're owning it for ourselves. We're, we see value in it. We see uh, importance to it for our life. So we write it down. It may be something like, oh gosh, the Lord, that, that passage there, I have to, I wanna, that really spoke to me in some way. I, I want to go back and think about that more maybe this week sometime. So writing something down means I, something really spoke to my heart. So you can be meditating on God's word in, a prayer, in your time of prayer, for example, um, maybe you read a passage of scripture and you're just thinking about what that means but then whatever you think it means to you write it down That's so you move from meditation to study at that point and then over the course of maybe a week or two find somebody you can share that with this is what uh, John chapter 5 verse 39 Jesus says this you search the scriptures because you believe they give eternal life Add this, and the scriptures point to me so searching the scriptures is a way to, by writing down the scriptures and talking about that with somebody is a way to search them out. And, and the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to check up on Paul and Silas to see if they really were teaching the truth. So the people uh, in Berea were questioning whether Paul was actually speaking the truth, so they actually went to the scriptures and investigated. That's... So they went from hearing to study, okay, and they talked about it with each other. Okay, so next is, I receive God's word, I review it and remember it with my mind. James says in chapter 1, verse 25, the man who looks intently into the perfect law continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, he'll be blessed in what he does. So the Bible term for remembering and reviewing God's word is meditation. So meditation is very simply um, 
it's remembering the word of God and it's reviewing it with my mind. So when I read a passage of scripture, for example, I think about what it means. I remember it. And one of the ways we remember is through memorization of scripture. We memorize something. Now, it's not oftentimes a, a very, um, you know, attractive word, memorization. You know, so, but actually, by thinking about God's word, by reflecting on a passage, committing it to memory can be a wonderful way of remembering and reviewing God's word in my heart and mind. One of the tools I suggest to people all the time, and I practice myself, is if I find a passage of scripture that really is speaking to my heart, I'll write it on a note card and carry it with me. So when I'm in the car, stopping at red lights or whatever, traffic jams or whatever, I just have the note card next to me. I pull it out and I read it. I remember it and I review it. And as I'm doing that, it, I, I'm able to, if I do that enough, it just sticks in my mind. I might be able to quote passage in scripture, you know, passage and verse exactly, but I have enough of it that it's, it's meaningful to me, you know. So that's one simple tool. Another simple tool is that if you take that note card, for example, and put it in your bathroom by the mirror every morning, you know you're going to make at least one or two trips there each day, so you have it right there in front of you, you know. So simple stuff like that to keep God's word before us. We remember it and we review it. James, Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says, Do not let this book of law depart from your mouth. Listen, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Prosperity in the Bible uh, doesn't mean, you know, several cars and big houses. It means that the Lord's favor is upon you. The Lord is working in your, in your life, whatever endeavors you're making, because you're putting his word first. It means that your end will be good, basically, is what prosper, prosperous means. So Joshua had a big task before him. He was filling the shoes of Moses, and he had to lead about 2.3 million refugees out of Egypt actually across the Jordan. They were already out of Egypt. They were in the desert, but they had been in the desert for 40 years, so one generation passed away. A whole other generation grew up. He had to lead them across the Jordan River, and he had to lead them into a promised land. Well, the promised land was the land the Lord was giving them, but, you know, the promised land had, like, other nations on it. So, and they weren't going to take too kindly to Joshua leading the Israelites to take over that land. So he had a lot of battles ahead of him. So, because of the, the Lord said to him, here's your formula for success, Joshua. Meditate on my word day and night. In other words, keep your word, my word before, before you. So, be careful to do everything written in it. Joshua was successful and did, the Israelites did go into the promised land and he did conquer those nations, but that was his formula for success. So, if you have a problem you're dealing with in your life, meditate on God's word, you know, uh, Keep it before you. Remember it and review it. And in that way, God can speak to you through his word regarding that particular problem you're dealing with. Number five, I build my life on God's word by I respond to it with action. I respond to it with action. Here we want to talk about applying God's word to our life. James chapter 1, verse 22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but rather do what it says. Do what it says. It, it's no help to simply 
read scriptures or even study it without taking the next step and saying, how does this apply to my life? That simple question is, how does this apply to my life? Sometimes it applies to my life, an attitude has to change. A way of thinking about God is different than what I thought. Um, perhaps it means I need to do something for somebody else. You know, In other words, God, reading God's word, meditating on it, studying it, always is to lead to some kind of application of it to my life. Some kind of action results from God's word. Jesus uh, says in Matthew 7 here, verses 24 through 27, he, that story I began with about how you build your house. He says here, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. So Jesus was concerned that we not just hear his word, but we apply it to our life. We, we, we make application of it to certain areas of our heart and our mind and our relationships. He says, puts them into practice like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, the storms arose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. So, so not putting God's word to practice, Jesus says, is foolishness to us. And he goes on to say, the rain came, the, storm, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Putting God's word into practice, then, is will bring about um, wisdom for our life and will help us build our life on the rock of his word. Okay, so God's word is not an option to us as Catholics. God's word is really meant to be central to our life. It's meant to be, um, it's meant to be as it were, uh, the go-to book in our life when we're faced with all kinds of situations in our life. It's meant to be the place where we go to God's Word to hear Him speak to us. How we approach God's Word will determine what we receive from it. Having a Bible reading plan is really essential for our life. The consistency in His Word is more important um, than even attending Bible studies and Bible seminars and things like that. Daily consistency with the word is how one of the key ways we grow in maturity in our life. And then simple little things of keeping God's word before us throughout our day can be a tremendous way that we uh, remember, we review, and allow God's word to evaluate our hearts and our minds. Okay, so let's pray for a minute before we send you back into discussion. So, Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you for the gift of your word, the treasure that it is to us. And, Lord Jesus, we heed your words this morning about building our life on your word and putting it into practice in our life. So we pray, Father, that this morning, in the name of your Son, that we may be a people who truly walk in the light of your word, who approach the word with attitudes of heart and mind to want to be changed by it, with an openness and an eagerness to receive from your word and the willingness to apply it to our life. We thank you, Lord, that as we do that, we will merit the blessing that comes from us, that you promise us, that blessed is the one who hears and who keeps your word to our life. 
And we pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay, so we're going to take about 20 minutes or so, and we'll let you go back in your small groups to talk about what really spoke to you.